This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I've got Rob on the phone. It's been a couple weeks since we did our 100th anniversary pod and that's just you know our schedules weren't aligning too much unfortunately rob and i have to you know even though we make bank off of this podcast uh we still have to work normal jobs because frankly it doesn't pay the bills but rob how are you doing this fine sunny day yeah i mean you're definitely right. Fine, sunny day. It's gorgeous out. Um, but yeah, I'm good, man. Happy to talk some UVA basketball with you. A uh, lot of lot of things to talk about. We also just started recording after Lax picked up a nice win over High Point. Mm-hmm. A little stressful towards the end, but even with the basketball going up and down right now, you know, Lax Lax will give us a little momentum into this episode. Hopefully, yeah, baseball's doing good too. Uh, the tennis men's tennis team is up there as well. Women's tennis is doing well. Squash just won their first game. A lot of UVA sports doing really well. Even though men's basketball has kind of, I feel like, plateaued a little bit and maybe even gone down a little bit, we're still going to talk about that because I think that's the main sport right now. That's something that's on everyone's minds. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from eBay sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you. So you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers, $100 or more, making it free to flip flip or sell your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for, you guessed it, more sneakers. Check out ebay.com slash sneakers today. And in partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before the March 31st through ebay.com slash sneakers will enter you into a drawing for one of one pair of Air Force One low tops. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. We are also sponsored by our friends 
Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news scores and odds and is the best way to place your bets with its free sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts uva okay. football is the softest bunch of cream puffs bow tie wearing brie cheese eating nascar wearing wussies i've ever seen in my life i'm gonna punch people from uva right in the neck wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So let's just jump right into it. So our last game was on Monday against Miami. We we win 62 to 51 against the worst team in the conference who doesn't have their best man. And um, yeah, Rob, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Unfortunately, I was on a plane coming home, but you were watching it. So uh, what can you say about the game? Yeah, well, I mean, coming home from Park City, man, that's yeah. it's not a bad excuse. Yeah. Um, no, Uh I feel like the story of this game, which a lot of people have touched on over the past couple of days through, you know, the columns and what have you, has been uh, Justin McCoy and really the willingness of Tony Bennett to start, you know, again, tinkering lineups, uh, especially in the front court. And it, it might have been our last podcast. I forget exactly. But we kind of talked about we felt like we had finally settled on the identity of this team, that being, you know, two point guards on the floor, Kihei and Reese to facilitate the three big men, um, if you want to call them big men, I guess, more finesse big men than we've seen in the past, being Trey Murphy, Sam Hauser, and Jay Huff. And what we've seen after that Carolina game is teams really start to crack down on UVA. You know, uh, you look at the Florida State loss and Duke loss, and then, you know, maybe the most troubling was the NC State loss. And in the latter parts of the NC State game, and then especially against Miami, even in the first half. I mean, heck, even on Jay Huff's senior day, Tony Bennett showed a willingness to go to Francisco Cavaro, to go to Justin McCoy mm-hmm. in the first half and try to provide that physicality and that energy um, in the front court specifically, but hopefully, you know, reverberating across the team. It was an interesting lineup play. You know, I would say neither of those guys are, you know, as talented as the starters we've been playing. But it seemed to provide an energy lift to this team, seeing mm-hmm. those guys come in, be more physical, be more of the old school type Tony Bennett big man, as opposed to the, you know, finesse type we've seen more of the past year. So I feel like that was the story of the game. And, you know, the same offensive struggles that we've seen, you know, kind of showed themselves throughout the game. But, you know, the story was really. I think Tony Bennett is going to keep going to these big men here, um, Kafaro and McCoy specifically over the next game in the ACC tournament and NCAA tournament to give this team a lift. Yeah, I think I think something that's been troubling over the past th- the for the past three losses 
as you said, Florida State, Duke, and NC State was the lack of physicality. I mean, we just got bullied down low by those teams. And I think uh, Florida State did a really good job of kind of showing the rest of the ACC what you got to do to beat UVA. And they just out-rebounded. They were physical down low. Uh, We just got bullied by the more athletic Florida State team. Duke did the similar thing where they really took it to us. Of course, Matthew Hurt had a great game. And NC State, as you said, super troubling. The DJ Funder, uh, Funderburk really uh, exposed Jay Huff's defense that night down low, going one-on-one. I think putting in Kafaro and McCoy is Tony Bennett's way of saying that he wants more toughness and that he's kind of fallen back on his roots of you know, having a tough, strong big man like Kafaro. Is kind of like Jack Salt and McCoy, who a lot of people have compared to Isaiah Wilkins, but with more firepower. I think that there's also, you know, kind of a looking ahead to next year situation where, you know, we're losing, probably losing Huffenhauser. We, we're not sure yet, but probably losing those two. McCoy and Kafaro are going to have to play next year. And so getting them some key minutes and some key games, I think is pretty important. And not to say that that's the only reason, but also, you know, Jay Huff wasn't playing great. Like, you know, he was two of 10. Uh, he ended up with seven points, but you know, not his best game. And I think him starting off on the bench in the second half kind of shows where Tony's mindset is at. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, more so than looking ahead to next year, even though both McCoy and Kafaro, you know, will be stepping in a bigger roles next year with Jay Huff leaving. But I feel like more so than looking to next year, it's really just a statement from Tony Bennett that he's going back to the way his teams were typically constructed. You know, Mm -hmm. for so many years, it was, you know, even last year, I mean, with Braxton Key and Mamadi Diakite, the kind of backbone this team was the defense, but you know, digging even deeper than that, it was a really athletic, you know, three, four, five type player that was just a defensive lockdown. So, you know, you look at um, Justin McCoy, so much energy, you know, probably more skilled offensively than Isaiah Wilkins, but I think those comparisons make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at a Kafaro, you know, maybe more in the Jack Salt mold. Um, and, you know, not to say these guys are clones of either of those two players, but I think you see Tony Bennett saying, hey, we need to be more physical. You know, I remember one quote when I was covering the team back in college where Tony Bennett kept on talking about how this team needed to be blue collar. And looking back on some of those teams, there were some pros on those teams. Yeah. But it was always a blue collar mindset that Tony Bennett wanted. And by blue collar, he meant physical. He meant out hustle. Um, And I think with these bigs that we have this year, you know, not to say any of them aren't skilled. I mean, from a shooting perspective, from a ball handling perspective, they're as skilled as Tony Bennett's ever had. But I think especially with the lack of elite guard play this year, it's been a real struggle for UVA to keep up with these teams, um, especially from a physicality standpoint. And Tony Bennett is saying, hey, you know, there's one way to fix that. And that's to get guys like Kafaro, get guys like McCoy on the court. And, you know, early returns, on uh the other night against 
Miami seemed good. You know, of course, like we'll see how teams adjust to that. Things mm-hmm. look really good a couple weeks ago when UVA was lights out against UNC. So we'll obviously see how things play out. But I think it's more of a statement on the style of play that Tony Bennett wants in this team. Right. And I also think, you know, it's a statement kind of as well to the shooting slump that we're see- we're seeing from some of our guys, you know. Hauser didn't play great in the first half. He ended up with 18 points, though, 4 of 9 from 3. Trey Murphy was 3 of 9 from the field, but ended up with 12 points, thanks from 2 of 5 from the field. Jay Huff, 2 of 10 from the field. I think that they're taking a lot of shots, but also missing some as well. And that's going to happen, but like if they're taking all of our shots and not making a lot of them, I think it's just tough. And, you know, we, uh, frankly, at this point, don't have the guard play to have a ton of bigs play on the outside like Jay and Sam are doing right now. Uh, Kihei and Thomas Wolotensai combined for one of uh, two of seven from the field and five points. Like, that's not going to cut it from our two starting guards. And Reese Beekman, he was two of three for four points. I think that if we can't get inside at all, it's really easy for teams to shut us down. So if they force us inside where we can't get a bucket, it's going to be a lot easier to defend. And I think that's what people have been doing. It's kind of the opposite of the pack line is like force you in where you don't score because our scoring mostly comes from the outside. And mostly, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was done. I was done. Well, I was going to say mostly comes from the outside and mostly comes from the big men. I mean, yeah. it's totally inverted from what we've seen before in Tony Bennett teams. Um, but you bring up a point, you bring up the guard play. And I know it's something that, you know, you and I have talked about. I've talked about with other people as well. Um, and I'm curious your take. What do you think our starting guard combo should be right now? We have Kihei and Reese should should that change at this point? I mean, if there's been some struggles recently, especially, um, are you open to changing the starting guard play and the rotation there? So here's the thing about Reese. Reese is a really skilled player. Reese is also a freshman playing in his first year, which also has to do with COVID. So there's, a, I think, a really steep learning curve for him. Now, he's played really well this season, and to his credit, he's handled himself really well. Over the past couple games, he has not played super great. Uh, especially, well, not, not, I'm not saying he hasn't played great, but on the offensive end especially, hasn't been great. Since the UNC win, he had one point. He had zero against FSU, zero against Duke, two against NC State, and only four against Miami. Assists in those games were really high. He had seven against UNC, but in the losses, he had uh, three, two, three, and four to go along with uh, four turnovers total. Like, I think it's just a learning curve for him, and I think that he's going to be great for us moving forward. I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, find his shooting stroke a little bit. You know, right now he's shooting at around 26 28% from three. I'm looking, to, I'm looking forward to seeing him get that back and on top of it. But I don't know if he's the answer right now. I think we need a guard who can score, a guard who's tough, a guard who can get to the a guard who's a good defender as well. I think Reese is a really good defender as uh, as well. 
I, I, I'm kind of torn because I don't know what the correct answer is. Like, I, I would like to say Casey, but at this point, Casey Morcel is honestly almost playing a little bit worse on the offensive end than, than Reese Beekman. Like he's shooting, he averages the same amount of points per game and less rebounding. And he has a, oh, hold on, let me pull it up. He has a lower uh, three-point shooting percentage. So I think it's just tough to, to make a decision. And that and that's the really tough thing about this team is that there's no really answer for, for the guard play. I mean, Kihei has been really good down the stretch. And yes, he has made some mistakes, but that's what's going to happen when you're the main guard, you know? He was the main guard. He had 15 points against Duke, and people are criticizing him for his last turnover. But like, who else was going to take that ball, right? I would have loved him to get yep. it to Sam, but he dribbled off his foot by accident. That's that's what happens. I I think that you know people are overly critical of Kihei, but you know who else do you want in that position? Because Reese is not performing at the level of Kihei. And neither is uh, neither is Casey. Casey's not a true point guard either. I, I think it's just a tough situation. Yeah, you make a lot of great points there. And the one that stands out to me is, you know, first I'll say I do think we should make a change in the starting lineup. I think we should keep Kihei uh, as the starting point guard. But I'm in favor of moving Tomas Wadatensai to the starting two-guard spot. Yeah. I think you need shooting. I think this is a team that becomes too one-dimensional, relying on its bigs, who we have said are more finesse uh, when Reese and Kihei are both on the floor together. And the reason I think they don't work on the floor together at the same time is they're both true point guards. And not only are they true point guards, they're not a James Harden type of point guard who's looking to score. They're both more pass-first type of players. And they just their games do not complement each other that well when they're on the floor together and that's no slight at either of them i think kihei has shown he can be a good point guard for us i think reese has shown in flashes that he will be a good point guard for us um but i think the best role for reese this year is to be you know more of a true backup to kihei than it is to be more of a starting two guard and you know we've seen in past tony bennett teams that tony bennett likes having multiple point guards on the floor together he likes having uh, multiple ball handlers on the floor together. But looking back at some of the ones that worked, you know, you had, for example, go back far enough, you can say London Parentes and Malcolm Brogdon. You know, Brogdon mm-hmm. was supposed to play point guard that first year. Um, uh, I guess it was London's freshman year until London really stepped up and showed he could play. And, you know, they would be on the floor together uh, for three years. And that worked great because Brogdon was a great scorer and London was a great distributor. Go back to the championship team. You know, you have Kihei and Ty on the floor a lot together. Um, but Ty, similar to Brogdon, could play off the ball. He was mm-hmm. a great shooter, a great scorer, could get in the paint. You know, neither Kihei nor Reese are great scorers, and their games just, at least this year, seem to not complement each other, at least from a scoring perspective. They both seem to be a very similar type of player, and by having them both on the floor at the same time, I think teams make UVA one-dimensional. They know neither are a great threat to shoot. Um, I, I don't have the stats or the notes or whatever you want to call it to back it up offhand, but I read one comment on the message boards the other day that Reese Beekman has made seven jumpers all season. 
And, yeah. you know, I don't know for sure if that's true, but it wouldn't shock me if that's true. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a matter of, you know, finding the cohesion with this team. And a lot of it, I think in the perfect world, you know, Tony Bennett would love to start Casey Morsell. I think that was the hope when he was recruited is that, you know, borderline top 50 player Casey Morsell, you know, at this point, almost two years into his college career would be an impact starter for UVA. But with Casey so far not developing into that type of player, I think the next best option there is Tomas Waldetensai, a guy who admittedly has his struggles defensively, but provides our only real scoring threat or shooting threat, I should say, at the guard position. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push back a little bit. I, I do think Kihei is a good scorer. I think that it's tough for him when teams know he's the only guard who's going to score, right? I mean, they they do leave him open, but he's got, you know, he's made several shots over the course of his career where, where he they, he's left wide open and, you know, he sinks it. A lot of times, you know, he's shooting, what, he's shooting about 30, he's shooting 32, 33% from three this year. It's not terrible, right? His uh, field goal percentage is a little bit higher. It's 42, 43. I think that Kihei is a good scorer, but he's not meant to be the primary guard scorer. You know, it's kind of what you were saying with Malcolm in London. Like Malcolm was a much better primary scorer than London. Think back to London's senior year too. When London was asked to be the primary scorer, things didn't go great. Uh, And that team had a lot of other really good guards on it, but... At that time, you know, Kyle and Ty were young. Uh, I'm going to say that that Devin Hall hadn't really developed into the really good score that he was his senior year. Um, Mariel Shayok and Darius Thompson were were good, good in the paint, good slashers. But uh, you know, Mariel took a lot of long twos, and Darius I don't think ever really fully, you know, developed into what he could be at UVA. And so London ended up being the the top guy. And of course, you know, that season was marred by, you know, some close losses. And of course, that blowout loss against Florida in the NCAA tournament. So I think it's a little bit similar to that, where Kihei is being asked to do too much because he is the, at this time, the only guard that teams are really worried about to do anything. I mean, would you rather leave uh, him or Casey open from the three spot. I I think I'm leaving Casey. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you're definitely right. I mean, Kihei sometimes is the only scoring option. And, you know, I think I I was really hoping that Trey Murphy could be a bit more assertive in creating Mm -hmm. his own shot. I'm hoping that with an off season, you know, strength and conditioning program that he'll be able to next year, because I mean, I think what he was like six, two, six, three, only a couple of years ago and yeah. now all of a sudden he's six nine. Yeah. So it still needs to grow into himself. Um, but I think the main point is just like you said, it's it's like having two London printes on the floor at the same time. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's it's just not the ideal lineup. And like you said, Kihei can score. We've seen him score, we've seen him make clutch baskets. You know, when he is open, he can hit threes. I think, you know, the elephant in the room is just Kihei's not the biggest guy in the world. Yeah. And he's, you know, sometimes struggles when he gets in the paint, you know, finding a way to get his shot off. You know, sometimes when you see a bit of separation with him on the three-point line, you know, a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon or a Ty Jerome or, I mean, Kyle got like all these great shooters, you know, they're able to get that shot off and he's just not able to. And it's no slight on his skill. I think, 
you know, if you just have a bunch of open shots, Kihei is going to go toe to toe with some of the better shooters we've had at UVA the past several years. But, Mm -hmm. you know, just with his size, it makes it harder. So I think we just need to find the right roles for our guys. And for a while there, when we were really funneling everything through the front court, I think for a while there, it did make sense. You know, let's see if Reese can grow into his own, uh, you know, grow into himself a bit, see if he can get a shot working um, and, you know, really focus on distributing to the big men. I think that formula has changed now that teams are sagging on the guards so much and focusing in so much on our big men. I just think you need to find another scoring threat on the floor. And with Casey Morsell struggling um, with his outside shot, and, you know, Reese struggling with his outside shot. I really do think the best option there for the remaining of the season is Tomas Wabatensai. Yeah, and, you know, I'm also going to bring in Cody Statman into this. I think missing Cody this season was not something that Tony had anticipated. And I think for a lot of people, I don't think they realize, a lot of people don't realize that Cody has a lot of skills besides his three-point shot, which we never really saw last year. Cody's really good in transition. He's, I think, our best transition guard. Uh, and even though he's kind of a three guard, I think that he's more of a... I think this year he could play the two if asked to. He he can he can get inside and create his own shot a little bit more than some of the other guards that we've seen. And while he didn't get a lot of minutes last year, I think, you know, over the summer, working out, getting a little bit stronger was going to be really good for him. And it's unfortunate that he got sick this year and was medically unable to play. I think that that would have solved some of our problems because we could have gone super big, super long and Cody's actually pretty athletic too for his size. He gets a lot of deflections with his arms. He's not the quickest guy on defense, but he definitely knows the defense. He's kind of like, and this is a harsh example, but like he's like Evan Nolte where Nolte was just like not a super athletic guy, but was really knew the defense really well, knew exactly where to be, knew the passing lanes. That's why he played so much early in Tony's years. Is not because of his shooting. You know, Nolte once again never really found his like he was a good shooter, but never really found his shot. And his shot kind of went like came and went as uh, as the seasons went on. But similar to Cody, I think Cody knows the defense pretty well, and I think he's got a knack for it. And so I think that would have been really helpful this year, especially early on when we struggled with the defense and especially now when our guards are struggling to score and struggling to get inside uh, against bigger, uh, stronger teams than us. Yeah. And again, I mean, just assessing this situation, I, I can't help but keep going back to Casey Morsell and, you know, understanding, you know, he's at the end of the sophomore season, you know, a lot of players have made jumps between their, um, sophomore and junior seasons at UVA but Mm -hmm. I think you know Casey Marcel just isn't on the track that we all hoped he was on Mm -hmm. and you know there was an article preseason um I think it was by Eamon Brennan in The Athletic that talked about top uh recruiting bus at UVA and you know he was like yeah this is a stretch here right now but I'm gonna put Casey Marcel 10 it was a list of top 10 you know quote-unquote recruiting bus and he put Casey Morsell at 10th. And there was a lot of pushback there. You know, he only just played his freshman season. He was a terrific high school player, showed great defense. You know, let's see what he does his sophomore season. And, you know, unfortunately, the sophomore season has been underwhelming. So, you know, I think having the Casey Morsell that we envisioned 
at this point in his career when he committed would have done a lot to uh, a lot to solve kind of our current problems because he's while not the tallest guard in the world he's a physical guard he's mm-hmm. you know built and you know it wasn't necessarily fair when he came in but people were like dude like this guy looks like Brogdon yeah like so um you know I think having that guard spot if that had panned out maybe a little better and maybe it will maybe it will but you know if that had panned out at least quicker um I think we would in large part not be in this situation where we are right now yeah, I, I'm going to go, I think it's too early to call him a bust, and I'm going to tell you why, because his two seasons are, have both been kind of strange. First season, uh, Casey's asked to do a lot offensively, even though he's probably not ready. Uh, you know, the, the speed from the college game is different than the high school game, he's got to get up to speed, probably not as strong or as fat, even though he was very uh, athletic for his for his age and for his size there's just a different speed at the college level and i think it takes some it takes some uh freshman uh a little bit of time to get used to it but he had to be thrown right in because of uh who our guards were and who we lost the year before you know think about kyle ty and dre all going to the nba that year after the championship year so i think it's tough for him to do that it's also tough this year during COVID, I think it's just a weird time, tough to work out with the team, not able to be in there with the trainers as much, you know, Jay Huff cut wood all summer, you know, if he was with Mike Curtis, I think it would have been a little bit different. Does Casey, is Casey able to get some shots up with the coaches? I think it all plays out a little bit differently. I want to compare Casey, not to Brogdon, but to Justin Anderson. And I know they're really different players, but I think Justin Anderson, you know, made that jump from his sophomore year to his junior year. And, you know, you we really saw him come alive his junior year before he broke his uh, finger. And he ended up being a first-round NBA pick. Now, I, I know they're very different players, and I know also Justin showed some really big flashes his freshman and sophomore years as well. But I think Casey's kind of on that similar trajectory trajectory where, you know, you work out with Tony, you get your shot down and everything just kind of clicks into place from there. You know, and that was the biggest thing with Justin Anderson is he had been coming off the bench those two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was, I think he was sixth man of the year, his sophomore year. Yeah. Um, but the biggest difference with his junior year was him getting a shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that shot was, I mean, I he had a season cut short, but he was shooting almost 50% from three. Um, that was definitely the biggest difference when before he was shooting and call it the 30% range. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm again, I don't think that type of jump is out of the question. Like you said, I mean, I think they're very different players in so many regards. Um, Justin Anderson and Casey Morsell, that is. But, you know, as far as making a jump, I still think that's possible. But, you know, I think when dissecting this season, at least, I think that's something that, you know, needs to be talked about because that, you know, the idea of having Kihei and Reese on the floor together so often, I mean, I don't think there's any chance Tony was thinking about that two years ago. No. So I think, I think just when you're looking at where this team struggles, um, you know, that's part of the equation. Again, we say struggles and by all accounts, the ACC is down this year. 
Um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of college basketball is down this year. Um, Virginia will most likely finish second in the ACC. They're going to finish no worse than second now that Virginia Tech's game Saturday has been canceled. And if Florida State trips up, um, you know, either tonight being Wednesday or on Saturday, Virginia does have a chance to finish first in the ACC. So, you know, that's where we are. Like we're still we're still a top two ACC team, just like last year we were a top two ACC team. Mm -hmm. But it's just a bit different. Um, It doesn't always pass the eye test, but it's just how it is, I guess. You know, I think a lot of the reason why a lot of people are kind of freaking out right now is just the three losses in a row. A lot of times in, you know, Tony Bennett's under his tenure, we we lose a string of games earlier in the season and then we, we come back. If you think about the 2015-16 team, you know, they lost three early ACC games too, but they were early games and then they reeled off a lot of wins and actually, um, uh, I think, came in first in the ACC that year. First or second. Yeah, I think and, we were second that year. And lost to UNC in the ACC tournament championship game. But that team was really good and they still lost three in a row. This team is way more unbalanced than that team and lost three in a row at the end of the season. So instead of going up, currently we're going down. You know, we were a three seed uh, in a lot of projected brackets like a couple weeks ago. And now I've seen some that say seven, some that say eight. And, you know, that and that's fine. That like That's perfectly fine. I don't really, the seeding doesn't matter. What matters is, how hot you're going into the game. And right now I feel, I think like we're just cold. I feel like, you know, there's bad vibes all around. The shooting's not great. The defense is playing well, but the offense is just in a funk. And I'm not, there's, there's just no, I feel like there's no fix, you know, like I get that sense, like this late in the year, like, what are we going to change? Like you can't overhaul the offense right now. And there's no player that's going to come off the bench and save everything. Like Justin McCoy coming off the bench and he, he like he only had eight points. That's the other thing. It's like people are people are talking like he's an all star. He had eight points and that's good coming off the bench and you know only having twenty one minutes, eight points, six rebounds. He was four of eight from the field. But it's some people just wanted the energy. Like some people wanted someone to care, and I think that's what Justin brought. And that's what this team needs right now and to someone to care someone to really fight for this team because i think a lot of people are feeling like it, that's not happening mm-hmm. uh, i totally agree and with justin i think i want to say there were two or three baskets in a row um which kind of like contributed to the energy kind of made people be like oh yeah, yeah. here's here's justin mccoy um but yeah no i mean i agree with what you said i think like you said, the losses later in the year are a bit troubling. It definitely gives it a different feel. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, heck, last year this team struggled a lot, but what we won our last nine or ten games of the season. Yeah. So, you know, even when we were eking by, the momentum still felt like it was there, even if it was kind of strange and there was mm-hmm. no offense with it. Um, but, I mean, I do think that's a good kind of transition point because – you know, Virginia, we closed the season against Louisville on Saturday, a Louisville team that's going to be without Malik Williams. Um, so that, you know, 
I think Virginia is still favored there, although I think it's going to be a very close game. Um, Louisville, a team that, you know, Virginia has typically kind of handled that series, but, you know, certainly a team that can threaten UVA. Um, but after that, it's into the ACC tournament, and we know UVA has got to buy, so they're going to, uh, you know, skip essentially the first two rounds, go um, into, I think it's Thursday with their first matchup. So how do you feel about the ACC tournament? I mean, you know, right now, Florida State is kind of the class of the league, um, at least over the past couple weeks. So they're presumably, you know, we're kind of assuming they're going to be in the one seed, although there is a window for UVA if Florida State slips up. But then after that, kind of the story of the ACC tournament is going to be, you know, these bubble teams, Georgia Tech, a Duke, you know, maybe a Syracuse. I think Clemson is probably in, but maybe a Clemson. Um, you know, these teams that are battling for seeding and trying to get into the tournament. I feel like that's the biggest storyline. But, you know, when you think about Virginia specifically, how are you thinking about the ACC tournament coming next week? I've got a lot of opinions about it. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about our sponsors from eBay sneakers. From rare dead stock to the latest release, you can find the exact sneaker you're looking for on eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. And with eBay's authenticity guarantee, a team of independent professional authenticators perform a rigorous inspection of the sneakers you purchase before they're sent to you so you can shop confidently knowing your pair is the real deal. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to flip, flip or sell your collection. With other sites taking as much as 25%, you're going to have a lot of extra money left for, you guessed it, more sneakers. Check out ebay.com sneakers today. And in partnership with eBay, Armchair Media will be raffling off four custom-made sneakers. Each purchase you make before the March 31st through ebay.com sneakers will enter you into a drawing for one of one pair of Air Force One low tops. Just send a screenshot of your purchase to at Armchair Media on Twitter or Instagram. We are also sponsored by our friends, Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets with its free sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So we're talking about the ACC tournament, and currently, as Rob said, UVA is the projected two seed in the NCAA tournament. And currently, um, Florida State is first, although we could jump to first place if Florida State loses. I don't know if they – I think they just have to lose once, and we would be the one seed. Assuming we win against Louisville, I think so. Although, considering the strength of the teams Florida State is facing, um, Boston College and Notre Dame to close out the season. Yeah. uh, just take it into consideration. Yeah, I'm I'm considering it, and I don't like the odds. But um, I think Florida State's a good team. I think they're they've really come along after their COVID pause. They they're playing really well right now. Although they did just lose the other night. Um, I feel like the ACC tournament is kind of a toss up at this point, and usually it sort of is within the middling teams, but. Right now, I feel like really anyone could win this year. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think Florida State's the favorite, um, yeah. for sure. But after that, there's no, you know, talk about like clear-cut number two, number three teams. I don't really know. Like right now, Virginia is second in the ACC standings. Virginia Tech is third. But, hey, I mean, Virginia Tech beat UVA. Louisville is fourth right now. You've got Clemson in there. I mean, we could be talking about a first-round matchup, like a UVA-Duke matchup, potentially, depending on how the seeds fall. And, right. You know, I mean, Duke beat us. There's no reason to think they couldn't beat us again. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a lot of parity once you get past Florida State. And, I mean, heck, these teams could beat Florida State. Um, Florida State came off a pause uh, a couple days ago and actually lost a game. So, you know, it's it's not inconceivable that really half of the uh, league's teams really have a decent shot at this. Mm -hmm. So if Florida state doesn't win, I'll say this much. If Florida state doesn't win, I don't really know who does. Right. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. I think in all honesty, it could be a team that just gets really hot at the very end. You know, like I, I love this Georgia tech team. I think they're really scrappy. I think they're fun to watch. I love seeing Passner smash his face mask everywhere. Um, North Carolina's hitting their stride at the right time. You know, they've they've had some bad losses, but they seem like they're kind of figuring it out. Duke, of course, I we hate them and they suck, and it's really been fun to watch them go almost 500 this season. But, you know, they beat us, and they had a hot streak, and Matthew Hurt's pretty good. So, honestly, I think anyone could win it. Like, Virginia Tech could win it. Virginia Tech's been playing really well this Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Um, they're on a COVID pause right now. So who knows if they're even going to be able to play in the tournament, you know, next week. But I, you know, I'm thinking that 
they're going to try to, if they can, I, it's just going to be weird. You know, it's going to be weird. Like if a team is on COVID, COVID pause, they're not going to be able to play. I think that screws up the seeding as well, which is just, you know, it, it's just all strange, super strange. Yeah, I mean, COVID continuing to throw ranks in uh, to um, all of this. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, with Virginia Tech, you know, we were talking, um, or I was listening to the broadcast the other night, um, Baylor, when they were playing West Virginia. And basically what they kept talking about is like, yeah, you know, some teams come out and they're on a tear after mm-hmm. a COVID pause. Most teams take couple games to get back to where they were before you know call it three four games yeah so i think that's something you do have to consider with virginia tech even though you know i think they're outside of florida state as good a team as any in the acc um like you said georgia georgia tech's been kind of like the fun acc team this year you know yeah. the team that's normally not that good passner's been here for a while but now he's new because he does the face shield um <laughs> they're just kind of like a fun storyline yeah um so yeah i mean i'm with you I mean, I think it's hopefully she will be exciting. You know, I'm looking forward to, you know, working from home and just having mm-hmm. games on in the background. Although yeah. I wish it was still in DC. That would have been so much fun if, I know. you know, COVID hadn't hit like so many other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a lot of parody in this tournament. As far as Virginia is concerned, I'm really curious to see what happens against Louisville because as soon as I thought I had this team figured out about three weeks ago, yeah. all of a sudden I don't. And I think Tony Bennett was the same way. You know, he said in his press conference after Florida State that, like, yeah, you know, with the pandemic, with not having non-conference games, um, without really having an off season, you know, a lot of coaches are still figuring out their teams. And we've seen, you know, when we thought everything was set, we thought that we had the starting five, we thought we had the rotation we're kind of back to the drawing board again. Yeah. So, you know, Louisville is just another data point as far as how we go about this, um, the, the season closing it out. And, you know, the things that we touched on already, I think are the ones that are the biggest storylines, you know, a, what does the front court rotation look like? Mm -hmm. Um, is Justin McCoy really in for more minutes? Um, what about Kafaro? Is he there just for kind of the early years, Jack salt physicality, you know, how does that play out? And then the two guard, you know, I continue to be curious about that because I really don't think um, our best lineup is when Casey and, or sorry, are when Reese and Kihei are on the floor together. I think you really need to find a way to get Tomas more minutes with that starting group. So yeah. I think we just got to see how Louisville plays out and see if we can notice any more trends there. But I think for Virginia, if you get, get at least one win, I think you feel okay. If you lose first round of the tournament, I think people are going to start to get a little nervous yeah. um, heading into March. Dude, I'm already Madness. nervous. I'm already nervous heading into March, man. <laughs> I'm pretty nervous. I feel that. Now, I guess the question to you would be, how do you think the ACC tournament can impact our seating? You know, what's the highest we could go and what's the farthest we could fall for the NCAA tournament? Dude, so like, that's a tough question. That's tough. Lenardi currently has a set of, as a four seed, which I think is high. I think I think we need to be a little bit lower than that. I think that he's expecting us to win at least a game in the ACC tournament, maybe beat Louisville as well, which I'm still not convinced is going to happen. I hope it does, but uh, this team right now is playing at a level that is not conducive to winning. So the interesting thing about the ACC tournament is um, the the two seed, which we probably will be, 
gets a double buy. And the double buy, our first game will be on Thursday at 6.30 p.m., which is a pretty good time slot. But we play, we will either play the 15 seed, the 10 seed, or the 7 seed. Currently, the 15 seed is Miami, who we just beat. The 10 seed is Pitt, who, you know, they that's a team that's falling apart before our eyes uh, as everyone's just transferring out. And the 7th seed is, you guessed it, Duke, who who is most likely going to be playing us. Now, the 7th seed could easily change because the middle of the pack is so um, tight right now. Uh, NC State, Duke, and Syracuse are all within a half game of each other right now. Duke and Syracuse are actually tied. Um, they're all really super close. So, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see who we play. So we're probably going to play either Duke, NC State, or Syracuse in our first game. None of which I like. Although we did play really well against Syracuse, so I guess that's all right. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse, just the haunting memory of that Elite Eight will yeah. probably forever be there. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, definitely going to be an interesting week. Because yeah. um, like we said, you know, there's... There's no clear cut number two, and you know I I think there could be several teams that could compete for that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, UVA being one of them, but I mean, heck, a UVA first round matchup against Duke. I mean, we've beaten Duke three, four times. I think Tony Bennett has beaten them four times mm-hmm. um, in the past. What I think this is his eleventh season, so yeah. definitely wouldn't be the matchup I'd want first round. But no. you know, you can only control so much of it. So the those teams that are playing uh, this week, NC State is playing at Notre Dame uh, tonight at 7. So if they win that game, that's good for them. Duke plays UNC I probably on Saturday. That's my guess. And Syracuse plays uh, versus Clemson, which is happening right now, actually. And I don't know the score. It says it's live, but it won't show me yeah, the no, score. Um, <laughs> anyway. I actually have it on right now, but uh, yeah. Who's winning? Um, I haven't been paying that much attention. Okay. <laughs> it's just on. Any, in any case, I, I think we could really play either any four of those teams, uh, UNC included. If they lose to Duke, they might slip if the other teams win. I, I, it's going to be really interesting, and we won't know who, we're, who the seven seed is going to be until then. I really hope... I kind of want it to be Duke. Like, even though Duke sucks, I feel like we get some clout for beating Duke. You know, I feel like the the tournament team, the tournament pickers are going to be like, oh, they beat Duke in the tournament. That's pretty good. Even though Duke will have a 500 record at that point. <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I just, I kind of want another shot. Like, it's frustrating we're not going to get a second shot at Tech. Frustrating we're not going to get another shot at Duke. Well, we might. It's just you know this year's been so weird and and I th- I feel like we got caught at a bad time in certain spots. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I'd rather avoid Duke. Honestly, I'd rather 15 seed Miami just win two games and us take them out there after. But yeah, um, I don't. I, I get it both ways. Yeah, I don't really want to play Carolina either. I feel like if we play them again, we might not be as good as we were last time. Yeah, because no, that I, was I definitely feel that it was right before Florida State and Duke and NC State all just crushed us. So, um, yeah, 
it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the bracket drops and how the matchups are going to look but we'll figure that all out probably probably on saturday that's when the last games are i don't know if they'll def- they'll probably still be defining the schedule then those these saturday games but i'm looking forward to it i love the acc tournament i'll definitely have it on during my classes next week um i hope none of my administrators are listening but they probably not they don't know um <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna be watching, and it's gonna be a fun time. I love the ACC tournament, as you said. I wish it was in the. I wish it was here in DC, but I think it's supposed to come back next year because I know it's in Greensboro this year. Not sure how far they pushed it back. Yeah, I know. I think the next round up would have been 2025. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll change since this year got swapped. Okay. Um, I hope it does, but um, yeah, certainly a bit of a bummer for us being in the D.C. area. Huge bummer for Jim Beheim, who just absolutely <laughs> hates Greensboro. <laughs> I know. <laughs> His comments about Greensboro a couple years ago were so funny. It's just like there's nothing to do in Greensboro. <laughs> That's like the beauty of it, though. That's like you go there and you're there for the ACC tournament. Right, right. Dude, when it was in Brooklyn a couple years ago, it was there two years in a row. And um, it was super fun, but it was like, I was exhausted. Like, you know, I, I was staying in Uptown and it was like an hour subway ride there and back. It was just a lot. It was a lot. And of course, New York is just busy. It was a lot. Yep. World doesn't shut down for when the ACC tournament comes to no, New everyone, York City. <laughs> everyone's like, who's playing? What tournament is this? <laughs> is it the Knicks? I don't care if it's not the Knicks. Um, exactly yeah all right rob any last word on this team schedule uh we've got a game uh on saturday um any last words on that no you know no last words on basketball before we sign off i will say though you know i gotta throw this in there 2022 football recruiting has started nice uva has got two commitments um tight end Carson Gay and wide receiver H back uh Rodney Hill. Okay. So we got our first two commits in the door and uh something to monitor over the next couple months. Um good. And of course basketball recruiting is gonna go full force as soon as the season ends. So right. definitely a lot to follow. Right. Yeah we we've got um uh Isaac McNeely already in our corner. Uh, he's a great guard so I'm looking forward to seeing him play uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, future looks bright. As always, uh, thank you for listening. This has been the Guys and Ties podcast. We will be back whenever. Apologies about scheduling. Our schedules don't always align, so it's tough to sometimes get it done. But we're going to get it done if we can. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you like what you hear and you want to keep listening to us. And uh, go check out Armchair Media. They've got a whole bunch of great podcasts out there for all your sports needs. And we will see y'all next time. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.